You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning. My name is Sam, and I get to co-lead a home group uh, in Irving. And I'll read the scripture this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sam. Well, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to grab them. We'll literally line by line that passage in our time together today. Uh, We are at the midway point uh, of our winter series that we've just called Awake and Alive. And the premise behind uh, the series is that if we're not careful uh, as Christians, we might find ourselves asleep Uh, to all that God has made available to us in Jesus Christ. And then uh, as a secondary piece, if you're not a Christian, uh, the invitation to actually come into life and life to the full. Uh, And so we started out with talking about uh, what all that means and how you fall asleep. And then we talked about awaking to the gospel. And then we talked about uh, waking up to courage. And this is about a life of integrity and confession and living in the light. Uh, And then last week we talked about waking up to the truth the truth being ultimate reality, the truth being Jesus. Uh, And now this week at the halfway point, uh, I wanna talk about waking up uh, to beauty, truth, and goodness. And so uh, to do that, here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you a picture. I wanna give you a picture of, okay, this is what he's talking about. And then I wanna highlight a problem and then I wanna give you God's plan to solve the problem, right? To move us towards the picture. We good, you got me? Three Ps, we're Southern Baptists. It's in our bylaws, I had to do it. Now, um, Lauren and I, uh, Lauren and I have um, a good friend. Uh, her name's Katie. Uh, this was actually easier for me in the nine because she wasn't in here. And um, she is the most like bright-eyed, joyful human being we know, like almost annoyingly so. Um, and she has just had a hell of a decade. Uh, I mean, just a brutal wave after wave, when will it stop God decade. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can't. Really, it started when she was 32. She uh, contracted Lyme disease. I know how you get that in Missouri. Not quite sure how you get that in Lantana. Uh, And and she she came down with Lyme disease. uh, And this was like a brutal thing for a young, energetic, former college athlete who, who now can't really move and is so exhausted and so stuck that she really wasn't able to get up and go upstairs uh, to grab her two-year-old daughter at the time. She had to call her mom and go, mom, get over here. I can't move off the couch. And then the Lyme disease by the grace of God gives way uh, only in time for her dad to unexpectedly go be with the Lord in 2017. And and, and he was the kind of dad, maybe, maybe you have one of these or maybe you've seen one of these. It's that kind of dad where he's like the cornerstone, like he makes it all work. Uh, like he just makes everything better. He's a constant presence. He's a, and, and the loss was sudden uh, and brutal and disoriented, really 
the whole family. And then right after that, in 2019, she had a severe battle with endometriosis, resulting in a hysterectomy. Uh, and then uh, about uh, six months after the hysterectomy, she, she wanted to get back in shape. That's what most of us try to do. That's what college athletes always try to do until they just give up altogether. And, uh, and so she's supposed to wait three months. She waited six. And then she's just, she's just doing some light lunges and she feels a tinge in her hip. And that began what, what felt like years. In fact, it feels like years because we're still kind of in it with this really horrible pain in her hip that really just took life from her in some significant ways. Not able to go upstairs to cuddle with her girls, relegated in, in what should have been the most active and vibrant part of her life, being a spectator in the life of her, her family as they go skiing and they go swimming and they do all the things that you do when you're in your 30s and your kids are in that most vibrant period of their lives. And then uh, we actually, the, the, the pain got unbearable for Katie. We, um, man, we just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, we tried, they tried physical therapy. It didn't work. They got into pain management. Uh, and so they turned up those pain meds so high that, that she was constantly high and still in excruciating pain. So now she has to choose, do I want to kind of be present in my life and deal with this pain or, or, or do I just get stuck dealing rawly with the pain? And, and one of the ways where the Lord was so disorienting to all of us is in this very room one uh, afternoon, we prayed over uh, Katie with tears. We asked that Jesus would heal her and, and like all the pain vanished. Like it just went away and for three days. No pain, no, and so we were freaking out. Oh my God, the, the, the Lord just healed Katie, and we were all excited for three days, not a single pain, bounding up the stairs, all of it back, and then three days later, the pain returned. And then you're like, wait, what? Like, that doesn't, that's not nice, God. That, that's not, but, but Katie, if I gave her the mic, and, and I won't, w- would tell you that, that that three days was the Lord moving towards her, reminding her, I see you, I haven't forgotten you, and I've kept every one of these tears. So she ends up having surgery on uh, the hip, and then, um, man, goodness sakes, after that, there was this unexplained headache and spinal issue that literally knocked her out, put her back in the hospital for several days. She lost motor function, couldn't walk or use her hands. I prayed, the Lord answered that, and she was healed. And then a diverticulitis attack that led to three more days in the hospital, and then a second hip surgery, this time total hip replacement. And she's still right now sitting in this room, hips swollen, pain still present, doctors confounded. Now, why is she the picture? Because if she didn't invite you in to pray for her, always apologetically, mind you, you'd have no idea. You'd have no idea that it's been wave after wave after wave after wave for a decade. And and I want to kind of highlight this as a picture of where we're heading today. Like that this is possible, that you don't have to be a dunce or a fool to live a life of rejoicing regardless of life circumstances, to see the beauty when really all that's around you is in ashes, to, to find goodness when all that you feel in your body and all that you see around you is badness. It's possible. I want to give you a picture but, but I also want to kind of, by the way, let me, let me just, let's just have a talk about this because I, I don't. Not a pep rally guy. You know what I mean by that? 
Like, like here's what I, mean. I don't ever want to say anything to you that's not true and that you won't see and experience. There have been way too many people that promise that Jesus is the way to have a divine butler that brings you everything you want in life. That if you give your life to Jesus, none of what I just described uh, about Katie will ever happen to you. And it's just hogwash. It's just ridiculous. So I'm not here to have a pep rally. I'm not here to say, give your life to Jesus and all your dreams will come true. I have tried to say for 20 years, suffering is normal and Jesus is good tried to lay before you that you and I have this long road home that's filled with these unbelievably high highs and these excruciating lows. And the promise of the Bible is that God is with us in the mess. It's not that there won't be a mess. It's that you haven't been abandoned in it, right? The 23rd Psalm doesn't say you don't go through the valley of the shadow of death. It says, I am with you. I'll fear no evil for thou art with me is what David wrote. It's not that you don't go to the valley. It's you got company there. It's that he's with you in it, that he hasn't abandoned you over to it, that he's not whipping you with it, but he's in it with you. And man, this is hard. And, and maybe you can relate to Katie's story or maybe, man, you didn't, get, you, know, you didn't get 40 waves. You just got one giant tsunami that's just snatched your soul. Or maybe it's less than what I've described to Katie, but it's just a life full of paper cuts and disappointments. It's just you're sitting here and you just thought, man, I just thought life would be different than this. And you've been so marked by disappointment, so marked by hurt, so marked um, by thinking life was going to go different for you than it had that you find yourself today stuck and paralyzed. Well, you, you look at me. You're in really good company. Like, like even, like again, I, I'm always, I just love the word of God. But like the Bible's a grimy book. And there's some real honest prayers from real human people that experienced all of that. Like, I love this one. We don't think these kind of things are in the Bible, so I always want to highlight them. This is Jeremiah 20, verse 7. I know the Jeremiah verse you know. Your favorite, the one on your coffee cup. This one ain't. I promise you that. Here's Jeremiah 27. Oh, Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. Can you imagine being in home group? Or just hanging out with some crazy time to pray. And like one guy's like, Father, just, I've got a thing at work this week. Please help me. And, and then the next guy goes, and God, you're a liar and you have lied to me. You're like, hey, man, we don't. I just be careful with all of that. Oh, Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. Or about David, a man after God's own heart. This is Psalm 13, 1. How long, O oh Lord, you hear it? How long? Katie, how, like how long? How much longer do we have to do this? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Did you know those verses were in the Bible? Like we don't highlight them. We like that Jeremiah 29, 11. Get that tatted on my arm. We, we don't like, you tricked me, you deceived me. I thought you were gonna bail me out. You didn't bail me out. Now I'm being crushed under the weight of disappointment. Anybody ever cried out How long? Okay, get your hand up. Okay. Anybody just been disappointed in life in such a way that you just felt your soul crushed? Let's get that hand up. Now, here's why I'm doing this. Look around. Because you're not alone. Like you're just, if you're in here, you're so, like life hadn't gone your way and you just feel like, gosh, it's just terrible. I just wanted you to see. Like you're not alone. You are experiencing life in a fallen world. Life in a broken world. And the God of the Bible has not promised you that you're not gonna endure all that. He does say that he's with you and he'll leverage it for your good when all's said and done. 
I know we want a pretty bow. I would have loved to just tell you, and, and Katie has no issues, and she's skipping around, and let me bring her up here to testify. She's still in it. I, I don't know when the bow gets tied. I just know it eventually does. I know it eventually does. Gosh, even Jesus himself lets his disciples know in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So, so it shouldn't surprise us. The disappointments, the cuts, the, the, the broken bits, the, the, the betrayals. It's just like the Bible's full of it. It's just that we like to cherry pick the verses that make Jesus our servant rather than understanding that he's at work in the mess. Now, that's the picture. Here's the problem. And I know some of you are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the problem. No, that's life. Right? That, that's life. Disappointment. Oh, why are you clapping? That's hilarious to me. That's right, pastor. Okay, somebody's had a good week. So this is, this is the picture. Disappointment, loss, frustration. Jesus is good. Life is hard. You can be filled with gratitude in it. You can rejoice amidst your circumstances. But here's the problem. The picture is being filled with gladness even though life can be crushing. The problem is that you and I live in what sociologists are calling the age of outrage. You and I now live, despite all, in, in the middle of, not despite, in the middle of all our disappointments and betrayals and hurts, you and I live in a culture where the economy runs on rage. Why? Well, because we're a really kind of intellectually provoked, uh, let me make sure I, I get my words right. We're an overstimulated culture. Anybody? Just overstimulated, just constantly, bing, 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 just everywhere, right? Turn them notifications off, bro, right? It, like, just constantly bombarded. Well, in an overstimulated culture, attention is the end game, not money. You can't get to money without attention. How can I sell you anything unless I get your attention and nothing gets your attention like anger and fear? So the economy runs on rage. Nowhere is this more prevalent than social media. This is a quote from Oliver Berkman. He's an investigative reporter. Uh, he's written quite a bit on this idea, and I want you to listen to this. The algorithms of the attention economy relentlessly expose us to enraging stories and opinions for the straightforward reason that anger spreads more virally than other emotions. So you're more likely to click, like, share, and stay glued to Twitter or Facebook when you're furious. Tabloid newspapers and Fox News figured this out years ago. I wonder where he lands politically. But online, the diet of outrage, listen to this, can be customized precisely to include whatever drives you personally up the wall. It's not so much that social media platforms are filled with, are full of bigoted trolls and idiots with harebrained opinions, although I'd argue there's quite a bit of that, but rather that however many there really are, the platforms are designed to ensure you can't avoid the ones that infuriate you the most. So you've got life is hard, suffering is normal, Jesus is good, and a culture that desperately needs to keep you angry keep you frustrated, keep you on edge, keep you just kind of low-grade simmering. Our economic 
success in 2023 desperately needs you frustrated and angry. So you throw that together with life's already hard, man. Things are already difficult. And now on top of that, I've got this problem that the, very, the, the moment in history I'm living in is perpetually trying to stir me up to anger and frustration, low-grade simmering and crazy outbursts. And it's into this space, it's into this environment that the Bible calls us to something different. It calls us to find what is beautiful, look at what's good, and rejoice. And so that, that takes me to the plan because he's not talking about the, the silly kind of, and I think evangelicalism can be marked by this, not like spirit-sprinkled yayness. Are you tracking with me on that? Like there, there's, a kind of, um, there's a kind of like smile when you shouldn't be smiling oddity sometimes in Christian circles. Like we don't want to admit that things actually hurt and that we really are disappointed. And then in a way, we're kind of frustrated with how God's played this out. Uh, I call it finitis. Church folk are the worst at it. I think everybody's bad. Church folk are worse. All right, how you doing? Fine, brother. House, house on fire behind you. Great. I'm just fine. And, and I wonder if what we're doing is we're like kind of trying to carry the pressure of Christianity so we feel like we can't pray the prayers that are in the Bible. Can't be honest that in this world, hey, I'm having some trouble and I'm trying to take heart. I know he's overcome the world, but man, it's been a rough one on me. It's been a rough one on me. This goes back to Mason's um, sermon just a few weeks ago on waking up to integrity, being whole people, being honest, and, and laying our pride aside. And, and so how are we to do this? Like, how are we to walk? We don't want to look like morons, right? We don't want to be like, oh, hey, it's, everything's great when it's not. And, and we can, we've got this steady diet of things trying to whip us into anger. And then we've got the real hurts of our lives, the real disappointments of our lives, the real um, kind of aches in our soul. Well, um, the book of Philippians um, is situated right in a similar situation. You've got the Apostle Paul who's writing from prison. This isn't Bill of Rights prison. You tracking with me? This is a, a dark, damp cave where nobody's feeding this man unless somebody brings him food. And, and there is no kind of uh, exercise hour where he gets to get out in the sun. This is no Bill of Rights. This is no... Um, Due process, this is a man in prison writing to a church that is, it's going through it, right? It's being persecuted by predominant culture. They've got two very powerful women uh, in the church that are at war with one another, that's creating disunity. One of their lead elders was with Paul, nearly died. There's all sorts of craziness going on at the church in Philippi. And Paul writes with a steady diet of telling them to rejoice and don't give themselves over. Give the benefit of the doubt. Mark your life with rejoicing. So uh, we're eventually going to preach through the book of Philippians, maybe even in the next year. But in 1.8, the Apostle Paul, 118, the Apostle Paul says that they should rejoice that Christ is preached, even though some preachers are motivated by selfish gain. So like these selfish preachers, he's like, is the whole gospel being preached? Well, then rejoice that the whole gospel is being preached. I struggle with that. I want to point it out. Charlatans. In 2.2, Paul urges Philippians to make his joy complete by being like-minded in one mind. One of the reasons I'm trying to get you to raise your hand in specific points of the sermon is because the devil wants you to believe that you're all alone. And that you're the only one that's ever gone through this. And you're the only one that's in this place right now. And I'm just trying to show you. No, here's 1,500 of us where 80% of them are like, dang it, me too. Like you're not alone. 
We're all humans on this long journey home. There's highs, there's lows, there's hurts, there's disappointments, there's brokenness, and there's one with us in the mess. In Philippians 2, 17 through 18, he wants them to, to rejoice because they're joined together in sacrifice and service, right? We're in this together. We're sacrificing, we're serving. We're, it's us, we, we're doing this together, shared experiences. In 2.29, he wants them to welcome Epaphroditus with great joy because he almost died, but he didn't. And then in um, 3.1, rejoicing is a safeguard to what he calls the dogs that have come into Philippi and are trying to lead the people of God away from the true gospel by adding Judaism to it. You have to be a Jew before you can be a Christian. And Paul calls them dogs, not like slang, like what's up dog, like they're dogs. Not like your dog that has a sweater, like a dog, <laughs> right? Now, with that said, that, that's the, so here's, here's our picture. Sweet Katie's our picture. Here's the problem. The world is doing all it can to cultivate outrage and anger in us, frustration, or gosh, maybe even just shut us down. Just to be overwhelmed, just become apathetic and shut down. That's another way to handle uh, the moment we live in. But God instead says, no, I've got a plan for you. And here's the plan. We're going to dive right in. Let's look at this. This is Philippians 4. This is our primary passage. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. If you have your Bible, just look at that. I mean, we're just really going to take this phrase by phrase. Here's, here's the first one. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. So, so I love that, that he starts like this. He starts really where we left off last week. He says, no, you, you don't, don't create a success scorecard and, and then look at your kind of horizontal success rate and, and then let your life be driven by whether you're a winner or a loser. No, he says, rejoice where? In the Lord. So the circumstances of my life are going to come in waves. And there are some waves that I'm able to get up on that board and surf it on in. And there are some waves that I never saw coming and they pin me to the bottom of the ocean and they try to kill me. And he's saying in this passage, don't orient your life where you're looking around and going, am I, am I a success? Do I matter? Am I loved? Let me look at the circumstances of my life. But he's saying in this moment, no matter what anxiety or anger the circumstances of your life cause, for the Christian, there must be a defiant, nevertheless, in the Lord I'll rejoice. So I want to, like, I think the, the best way to do this is to be very aware of what God says about you rather than what you say about you. So my gift to you today is Romans 8, because here's what Romans 8 is going to do. Romans 8 is going to dismantle the damage of abuse in our life while inviting all of us out of shame and into the freedom and joy of a loving father. So let me walk through this. Here, here's rejoicing in the Lord. Romans 8.1 is simple and straightforward. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like I can rejoice in that. Look at me. Anybody got a past? Okay. Anybody, I just knew somebody well. It's like, you better get that hand, right? Anybody got a pass? It's like, you don't want, you want that in your documentary? Yeah. How about this? Let's just see how safe we are. Anybody got a present? Wasn't that hard in church? I know you like made sure you were a little put together. I'm doing great, brother. Hey, you got a pass, you got a present. How about this? Anybody fairly convinced that got some more coming for me this next year? Yeah. 
So, so here's where I get to rejoice in the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. That means that backstory I got that I don't want in my documentary, I got no condemnation for that. That thing that happened, I'm not that thing that I did. I'm not that thing that happened to me. My present struggle, I'm not my present struggle, nor am I my future failure. There's no condemnation for me. It's just not there. I can rejoice in that. Gosh, I don't, I don't need my wife to love me to rejoice in that, right? I don't need my kids to do what I say to rejoice in that. I don't need a ton of money in my account. I don't need my health to rejoice in that. In fact, like I said, this dismantles and invites me in. That means when I get sick, I'm not sitting around going, oh my gosh, I knew I should have had a longer quiet time and shouldn't have had that second bourbon. I'm not having to do that. Why? Because I know there's no condemnation for me. I'm in Christ. His righteousness has been given to me. He has taken from me what was worthy of condemnation and nailed it to the cross. I can rejoice in that. Romans 8, 28 or was a verse I hated when I had cancer. Everybody would just kind of throw it at me all the time. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This means that whatever's going on in circumstances, God is up to something. And it's for my good and his glory. And I might not see that or understand that for 15, 20, 30 years. But I know there's no condemnation for me in it. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Could you rejoice in that? Anybody got any enemies, earned or unearned? God is for us, who can be against us? 833, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. I wonder. Well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Romans 8:35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The answer is no. He goes on to say, no, we're oh, we're we're uh, conquerors. We are more than conquerors, you and I, who are in Christ. You see how this kind of formats our whole life as one of rejoicing rather than, than one of um, kind of giving ourselves over to rage uh, or you know, too much euphoria or too much rage when things don't go our way. The more you bet on the circumstances of your life to help you walk in a kind of deep-seated joy and peace, the more frustrated and angry you'll be in the economy that you and I were born into. You with me? You tracking with me? Okay, that brings me to my last point, which is, well, no, it's not. It's my second. Okay, sorry, just fine. It's going to be fine, guys. Right? The, the first is that we rejoice in the Lord. We're oriented around what the Lord has done, not our life circumstances. And then the thing that the Lord gives us, he, he gives this crazy invitation. Here's, here's how it goes. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, in 2023, that sounds like that'll get you canceled. That'll get you fired. This is a crazy invitation. You socially awkward? Get in here. I mean, you, you a struggler or a wanderer? Feel like, you know, you're my people. Get in here. This is a weird come to me vibe he's got going here. And here's how it sounds in the text that we're reading today. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request. 
to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I just want to, if you've got the book open in your lap, I just want to highlight some of these things. Look at these phrases. The Lord is near, anxious about anything, every situation, every request, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, right? So, so here's what's happening in the passage. I'm rejoicing in the Lord, and, and when the pain or disappointment gets too great, gets too uh, acute. I've got this place to take it. Lament is the gift of God to his people to take the weight of the world and put it on someone who can carry it because we can't. So this is what he's like. Hey, get it in here. Come put it on my lap. That's going to crush you. Give it to me. So we've got this place to go. Like, like, man, I'm telling you, I have been in the kind of season where I didn't think I was going to make it out. Like, I didn't think I was going to make it. I literally said that to people. I don't think I'm going to make it through this one. Why, brother? Because I don't think I can carry it. And I got lovingly rebuked. Of course you can't carry it. Who told you you could carry it? This is the invitation. All my anxieties, the Lord is near. All my fears, all my frustration, all my anger. Anger's not a sin, but you can sin in your anger. Where do I take this, especially when the bowl gets too full? Like when it's like bubbling up, like what am I gonna do with this? It's been too long, it's been, well I've got some prayers. How long? Got some prayers. Feel like you tricked me a little bit and I get to come into his presence, go I can't carry this. I'm not gonna make it. I've gotta give this to you. This is gonna burn me alive. I'm not gonna make it if you don't take this out of my hands. Let me give this to you. And it gives us a place to lay it down where we start to change. Gentleness starts to replace jadedness when you take it all and lay it at his feet. Like, do you know how rare it is for anybody to give anybody the benefit of the doubt anymore? Or just to believe the best about? We're so jaded and cynical. How could we not be? Life's hard. We live in an outraged culture. What are we gonna do? Well, you take it to him. It's the gift that God gave the church. It's called lament. And that's no pep rally. It's not like, yay, team Jesus. It's, oh gosh, I've got to give this to you. And he wants it. Come, give that to me. That's the invitation. You have a place to take it. So I don't know what wars against your soul. I don't know what you've got in there this morning. I don't know, sitting at home, what's eating away at you. But here's the invitation. Hey, bring that in here and lay it down because it's going to kill you if you don't. It's going to burn you up if you don't. It's going to make you run on rage and not gratitude. And gratitude doesn't have the hangover that rage does. Rejoice in the Lord, son, daughter of the king. No condemnation, loved, victory guaranteed with you in all the heartbreak. Bring it to him and lay it in his lap. You're not designed to carry it. Look, I love you, you're just too weak. We're human. You're just human, man. You might be superhuman in your eyes. You know, you're on creatine, you got a good grip, type A guy. Doesn't matter. We're not built for this. So he gives us a place to bring it. And then lastly, he, he has this, and I think this is huge, and I don't think we talk about it enough, but I guess that would be on me, wouldn't it be? Um, the, the third piece is I'm rejoicing in the Lord, not life circumstances. I'm gazing on what he has said. I'm bringing it all to him, laying it at his feet. And then lastly, I'm taking every thought captive unto the Lord. L listen to this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think 
about such things. Now, let's play a game. I know it's big church, but let's play a game. I want you to find your voice. You got it? Like you're saying something to yourself right now. You got it? Maybe it's this sermon's a little long. Maybe it's something you've got this afternoon, but like you're, you're thinking of something. Maybe I've frustrated you in something I've said and you're rolling that, but you're talking to yourself right now. Look at me. No one talks to you as much as you talk to you. And then I'd like to add this. My experience is as few people are as mean to you as you are. So that, that thing that you're now aware of, you still there? You still talking to yourself? That thing's running all the time. It's never not running. But right now, because of this little game, you're aware of it. You still got it? You still talking to yourself? Okay. Press pause. You have been given a God-given, God-empowered, God-redeemed ability to choose what you think about. You, you have a choice regarding where you focus your energy. You have a choice regarding what you live for. And listen to me, even if you have intrusive thoughts, you're responsible for the second one. So right, you know an intrusive thought? Like some people, this is actually psychology, this is spiritual warfare. An intrusive thought would be like, hurt yourself. Okay, that's intrusive, but you get the second thought. Intrusive thoughts don't get the second thought, they just get the first, right? So there's intrusive thoughts, but we've been given this God-empowered, God-ordained choice to guard our minds. I love this quote from Ginny Allen. She's a good friend and brilliant. Here's what she says. When we're spiraling into noise or distractedness, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through stillness. When we're spiraling in isolation, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through humility or community. When we're spiraling in anxiety, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through trust in his good and sovereign purposes. When we're spiraling into cynicism, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through worship. When we're spiraling in self-importance, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through humility. When we're spiraling into victimhood, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through gratitude. And when we're spiraling in complacency, we have a choice to shift our minds back to God through serving him and others. You control your mindset. Now, let me tell you why this is such a big deal. When you talk about spiritual warfare, a lot of people start thinking of really bad movies where the priest is walking up and you just know he's a dead man, right? You've never seen one where the priest goes in and win. You just always know, okay, this is a, this is a B-level actor or actor. I mean, this is, he's gone, right? And the person climbs up the wall and head spins around and that guy gets thrown out a window or burst into flame or something. That's what people think of spiritual warfare. But you know, almost all spiritual warfare starts in the mind. Now, it might get to something freaky like that, but it always almost starts in the mind. So the Bible wants you and I to know that ground zero for spiritual warfare is your mindset. Let me show you this. This is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So there you go, strongholds. So what is a stronghold? So there's a stronghold in my life, chains, bound, enslaved. I'm stuck. I can't get out. I'm paralyzed. Strongholds got me locked in. Well, you have been given power from God to dismantle, destroy, wreck shop on that. But look at what he says it is. Verse five, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
You control your mindset. And when you give your mindset over to anxiety, when you give your uh, um, mindset over to anger, when you're always looking for a reason to stay hot because it makes you feel powerful, you give yourself over to demonic powers and principalities and, and you destroy all the possibility of beauty and goodness and gratitude around you. This is serious work to guard our thoughts, to watch compulsions. They'll, the, the check engine light almost always comes emotionally. Like you get low, what are you thinking about? About how terrible of a person you are, about how you failed, about how you don't measure up, about some sort of wound that's deep down inside. Well, listen, lift your eyes up. Get back to rejoicing in the Lord. What scorecard are you using? Gosh, I'm a, I'm a bad mom, I'm a, I'm a terrible dad, and man, I wish I could have. It's, it's navel-gazing. It kills us. No, rejoice in the Lord and take every thought captive unto the Lord. That's why I tried to gift you Romans 8 this morning as a means of demolishing strongholds. Demolishing strongholds. Now, here's, here's some thoughts as I've, kind of prepared for this week and been really hopeful for this week. I think everywhere you look, we're seeing like outbursts of rage or apathy. And I, and I think both of those are very similar. Um, the fear and anger of the day leads one man or woman to outbursts that don't really line up to, right, the, the thing that made them freak out like that, right? Or, or people just go, screw it, and they shut down. And they're just completely athletic, uh, you know, apathetic, but they're simmering. You track them, they're simmering. And it's not male or female here. It, it's both. Right? I know people are like, well, I think men struggle with anger. <sighs> yeah. There's a special kind of rage in women, though. It's far scarier. Well, like a man might want to fight me, but a woman might try to damage the deep parts of my soul. And, and so here, here's what I want to lay before you. Like, I want us to pray again today. I, I want to give you a place to kind of bring it. Right? Like, are you, are you disappointed in the Lord? Feel like he betrayed you? You don't have to keep carrying that. And, and what I want to highlight in Jeremiah and in David is God didn't go, how dare you, sirs, but he moved towards them. It was actually the honest prayer that he never despises, according to Psalm 51. The broken and contrite in spirit he will not despise. Like, I don't, maybe you're scaring yourself lately. Maybe you're scaring your family. I'm not talking about, like, you lost it for a second this morning over the kid's shoes. I'm talking about a consistent pattern of explosive behavior that you don't even understand yourself. Like, you, you're not quite sure, but you find yourself rage driving 10, 10, 15 miles over the speed limit, and everybody that's in your way is your enemy. They did that on, but you're just raging all the time. Or maybe, listen, look at me, maybe you just don't care anymore. You're just done. You just don't care. You're just completely shut down. Just whatever. Well, I think that's the same. It's just simmering rage under the surface. And you don't want to explode like that. Maybe you don't want to be like your family of origin, or maybe you know that's not going to get you anywhere. And so what you do is you just shut down, growing in anger, growing in frustration, silent, trying to be the good soldier. 
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come on up like they did last week. And they're just going to stand up here in the front. And then here in a moment, I'm just going to pray for us. And then here's the invitation. I want to give you a place right now to bring it. And if you're like, well, everybody's going to see me move. Absolutely, because I'm not asking anybody. I'm keeping the lights up, the streams on. Come on up, prayer team. Like, yeah, and you're like, well, they're going to know I'm struggling with anger. Yeah, no, what they're going to see, though, is a man or woman who doesn't want to anymore. Now, you can stay stuck in it. You, you can. I, I don't have any magic power up here. You can pretend that that's not a, a real issue in your life. You can bury it or squash it a little further and wait for it to kind of sprout some other place at some other time. Or you can, by the grace of God, I'm not promising miracles up here. I'm promising a step. I'm promising letting some bit of air out of the rage in our souls. And I believe that some of you will be healed in an instant from it, and others of you are starting a journey towards it. But the invitation is from the Lord, come to me. Hey, bring that to me. I, I see you. Let me have it. You don't have to feel like that in like your chest anymore. You don't have to, come here, just lay it right here, I know. Hebrews says that we have an empathetic high priest. Don't you love that? Like it's that, it's that idea, like I know. Experienced all that we have, yet without sin. That's not you and me, we've experienced it all and rage monster around. The gift of peace can be yours today but it needs to cost a little something. And the cost is just the faith for you to come and be prayed for. That's just the cost, that you would activate faith in a way by saying, I don't even know these people up here, this is kind of weird, but I can't do this anymore. And if that invitation's real, I'm coming down to just get it off of me as best we can in the name of Jesus. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're open. We'll just sit here for a few minutes and see what the Lord has for us, and I would just encourage you to not Look at me, not leave angry. Father, I bless these men and women. We need your help. We just really do. We, we are angry. We are twisted. We are frustrated. We are in desperate need of the peace that you say comes when you're near. And so we know you're near in this room today, and so will you heal us? Some of us, we're angry for real reasons. It, it's not, it ain't no soft sell thing. Like, we're angry for some stuff. Would you help us move towards in love so that we might gain some freedom over this area of our life? Help us see what's beautiful and good rather than what's broken and wrong and the injustices that have been done. And let us rest in your peace. And it's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.